Hola, mis amigos. Soy la Mora de Paris. Rochelle Chanel in your watching the Three Count Podcast. Smooches. Welcome everybody now to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering, and I am your host Clifford Red Dog Miller. That's right, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. You could call me your Sherpa, but like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. And that's why it's never about me, but it's about who's entering the ring. And today, you can find this man at Outbreak. You can find this man at TCW. You can find this man at Ace. You can find this man at ECPW. He is the military expert, Romeo Castillo, a.k.a. Merck. <laughs> Thank you, Cliff. Thank you. <laughs> What's up, man? Thank you for coming on the show. No worries. Long long overdue. Long overdue. Yeah. It's, it's funny, man, because we've been talking a couple times. Like, we, we've met at Outbreak at the quarantine shows. And mm-hmm. here we are, like... I, I get to pick your brain finally. I mean, I've been picking your brain anyway, like at the shows, but then we get to pick your brain here too. So yeah, thank you for coming on, man. And uh, yeah, my first question is going to be right off the jump is who is Merck? That's uh, a heavy loaded question. What do you mean by who is Merck? Well, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about both sides. So we'll talk about you and then we can talk about your character. Okay. Me, I am... Uh, let's see. So the, I should put the generic portion or the part that implements most of the character of the Merc is me being an 11 year uh, Marine Corps veteran. Uh, I started started wrestling two weeks after my last deployment, and I was back in 2012, uh, coming back from Afghanistan, and. Yeah, it blew up from there. I started training in 2012 in Hawaii uh, for a company called Action Zone Wrestling. Uh, unfortunately, they no longer exist, or I should say they got bought out by um, the promoters for US Unified Championship Entertainment in Hawaii. That's led by uh, Lucky Lee and Bonnie Maxson. She used to be on Impact Wrestling. So I started wrestling from them back in Hawaii and learning everything from the ground up pretty much. And then finally, a couple of years later, I was finally getting out, unfortunately, and landed back to the East Coast, where originally I'm from, born born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens, lived in Manhattan, and I was recruited out of Manhattan. So, yeah, I got, got pretty much the gist of that one. But... When I came back, I was training at NYWC out in Long Island because I knew a few of the wrestlers over there. I wrestled a few of them when I came out to the East Coast. And pretty much I was just trying to get my feet wet from gaining more experience as a green guy. Uh, still, Still learning the business, but trying to branch out from Hawaii into the States. So it's safe to say that you have the aloha love then. Yes, sir. Yeah. So it's, it's wild, though, man. So you were stationed at, were you stationed out in Kaneohe? Uh, yeah. Okay, bet. I mean, it's funny because you said, like, you were you were training back in 2012. And, like, that's, I spent most of my deployment, uh, actually, most of my time in Hawaii. Like, that's just where, uh-huh. 
yeah, I was stationed at a at, well, it's joint Pearl Harbor Hickam now, but yeah, that's where I was. Was uh, okay, okay. yeah, yeah, on the Air Force side, and so <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm all familiar with uh, Connie O'Hay and uh, Kailua and in, in those <laughs> spots. <laughs> nice. But yeah, it's funny too that you mentioned that because like I I definitely wanted to get into pro wrestling while I was out in Hawaii, mm-hmm. but I ended up going the MMA route because I was like, yo, my friend uh, Richard De La Reyes was running the USC camp out in Hawaii, and I was like okay. trying to get involved with that because I thought, yeah, it's gonna be cool. Like I can like do other fun stuff out here. Mm-hmm. Never thought about the pro wrestling until like right towards the end of my deployment out in Ho- at Hickam, and I was like, let me. Let me, let me figure this out and then uh yeah i ended up leaving and i was like man i never got to do what i wanted to so it's kind of cool to hear that you were out there with uh with with those guys and then you know Oos definitely coming through i was like i i tell people about it too i'm like if you don't know look the hawaiian wrestling scene is really really good really really fun to watch yeah actually uh when were you um doing mma were you doing the usc down in um honolulu or by where is it pearl city so i was at a pearl city okay so a few one of my trainers was actually training at the ufc uh in pearl city so depending on the time frame he would probably you probably ran into him um name is Kaniala, but or i know him as Kaniala, but his real name is daniel mm. so i don't know usually he'll stay Stay, we should say kayfabe with Kaniala. So yeah. you most likely might have ran into him over there. I'm not too sure, though. I don't know, man, because I know, like, the, the UFC gym was pretty new, like, when I got over there. Mm-hmm. And it would have been, like, probably, like, right 2008 is when, when everything kind of really, like, started rolling with the UFC gym. Mm-hmm. And I know that Richard and I had trained a couple times, like, outside of IA in Pearl City. And mm-hmm. then going into, um, I remember he brought me over to his gym in Honolulu. Now he has the mango tree, which is his uh, Muay Thai, Muay Thai training place. So you know, nice. shout outs to Richard, man. He's a uh, he's the man. That's awesome. So yeah, so you said you moved over to the East Coast. You know, you got your feet wet out here, and then like you know, one thing led to another. So uh, yeah, one thing led to another is where I branched out to wrestle for companies like nywc in long island um american championship entertainment ace in new jersey and pro wrestling academy connecticut uh that was my first actual company i was wrestling for when i came out to uh the east coast uh that one during that time it was run under peter joseph or i should say joseph von schmidt he was kind of a German um, wrestler. I shouldn't say wrestler. He trains under more lucha style, which that's where I learned most of my lucha was through Peter and a few of the other guys. Uh, I've met a lot of guys through there, especially like Wrecking Ball. Wrecking Ball, I'm, I knew him before he even made it big. He was still in a big old sanitation outfit doing the whole thing. So... Yeah, been been around, but I did take a I did take a year off for personal reasons. And uh, while I took it, while I took the time off, everyone else was blowing up. So lucky enough, the calling had to come back because um, I wasn't. I should say I wasn't the same. I didn't feel right not wrestling. Uh, to me, it's like a 
a hole in my in my schedule in in my life period. So lucky enough, I came back and then I started branching out through through Ace, then through who was the other companies from there? Atomic Championship Wrestling um, in PA. I did tryouts for Outbreak and SWF when they were doing the whole trifecta tryouts. I met a few other companies through them. So lucky enough, I kept on still branching out and still going and going. It's it's funny because you mentioned about how like wrestling, not wrestling, left like kind of like a hole. And like you were kind of like looking for that thing that was going to kind of fill it. And I was just talking about this actually the other day because um, th- if there's something that I, I talk a lot about with the people like on the military side, people ask me all the time, like, how's the comparisons between like the military and wrestling? And the one thing I talk about is like the camaraderie that you have that you build up with like your brothers, like obviously in the military, like you all are working towards the same goals. You're always you're always doing something right. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're working together. And then in the wrestling locker room, it's kind of like the same thing, right? Where it's like, you're all working towards the same goal. Like maybe not everybody's working in the same spots, right? But everybody's working towards the same goal. Like we're trying to put on this badass show <coughs> for the crowd and everybody's working together. So you have like this unity kind of thing. And I feel like that was something I was missing from like 2013 to like 2020. Like I was, it just wasn't there. And I was trying to find things that were going to like make me feel better. And I, and I had other friends that were like, hey, man, like, we're going to do this. We don't want to do this. We're not going to be here. We're going to go here. But every time I'm in a locker room, and it, it, it really doesn't matter what locker room, everybody has it has the same opinion. And some guys you'll get along with, some guys you won't, right? But at the end of the day, all you guys are like, hey, we're here to put on the best product that we can for this person, right? And I think about that all the time. And I'm like, man, it's like, I don't know. It makes me feel like I'm working on something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of fills like that whole that I have from the military. See, for my aspect, I guess it's, I'm not sure. I guess it's the, because you're in the Air Force, I was in the Marines. So we had two different uh, avenues of approach on how the Marine Corps life was or how the military life was. Uh, I was in infantry all 11 years. So I think wrestling, it's not just the camaraderie because not all locker rooms, unfortunately, are the greatest, but it's being able to perform, being able to be there for, i.e. wrestling, for the people. Be there for, if it's the military, you're there for your comrade, um, your buddy to your left or your right. And in the ring, it's kind of the same thing. You're trying to protect each other, but at the same time, you're trying to show off that, oh, we could do this better than the uh, the match before we're trying to freaking top off the match behind us because guess what? They have to follow after us. So I guess it's for me on the aspect is not just the camaraderie, but also the, I guess the adrenaline rush. It's, it's, you want to be there. You want to keep going. You don't want to stop for anything. And within the military, it was the same thing. Um, I laugh or I, People laugh at me when they when they ask me, "Oh, what deployment or what what events during your deployments was the hardest?" And I always tell them, "It's my first one. My first deployment was was probably the hardest, but at the same time, it was the more eye opening for the simple fact that everything, every other deployment after that was easy, was a piece of cake, 
even though each deployment I had a whole bunch of firefights and everything, the first one would nothing would beat the first one just because of certain events that happened on my deployment made me who I am and who I wanted to keep going. So with wrestling and filling in that void for me, it was, I need to not just, I didn't care about proving to other people. It was mainly proving to myself that this is what I want. This is what I need. Um, nothing else is going to compare because even though you can, we can have that camaraderie in the military after the military, but it's not the same as when you're in and the, the rush or the, the empowerment of trying to achieve something greater, i.e. trying to better yourself in the ring and outside the ring is what fills that gap. At least that's, that's for me. No, I like that. And I, I feel probably that's, there's probably part of that with, with, with me as well. And, uh, you know, you, you talk about the, the hardest deployment, you know, I can agree. It's, it was, it was definitely, I only, I've only gone on one and it was one of the roughest things that I've been a part of. <laughs> But it was also like something that I'm glad I went through because like you said, like it, it changes like and for a lot of other people, positive or negative, right? You're gonna get a lot of those when you get out of there. But the person that you were going in is definitely not the person you are coming out. Mm-hmm. So all right, man. So you've had like this this long career, right, in, in the sport, and I'm very curious, man. Like, what's one of the worst bumps you've taken? Ooh, worst bumps I've taken. Actually, anything high flying was never a worse bump. The worst bump is, or I should say, the worst bump I've had recently was taking a simple drop kick. But, and this goes case in point on knowing your surrounding, knowing where you are at positioning in the ring, taking a drop kick and landing on the hardest part of the ring. And you just. Even though you take the bump right, it doesn't matter. You're, the air just takes out of you, and you just spasm at the same time. And he's like, <gasps> I was like, you got to be shitting me. You got to be crazy. Like, I've taken everything else. I've gone, I jumped over to the outside. I've done suicide dives. I've jumped from the top rope, freaking doing leg drops on top of people. Nothing ever hurt me except that one. That was the only bump that I've ever taken, which was recently that I'm that kicked my ass. <laughs> that took my breath away. There you go. That took my damn breath away. <laughs> oh no, man. I know like for me, uh I so you know I had been bumped for like three months. I remember though it wasn't the worst bump. It was probably it was the scariest one. And the only reason why I was scary was because I'd been gone for like two months because of a corona the coronavirus, right? So getting back in the ring and then taking that first bump, like, I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and then after the first one, you're like, whatever. You're just going to keep doing it again. And keep doing it over and over again. But it was definitely that first. I was sitting in the ring, and I, I remember uh, my trainer was like, hey, just bump, man. Just fall. And I was like, no. <laughs> See, the uh, thing I never – I didn't have that issue during the, during the pandemic because – I.e., let's go. Let's take it back to me training in Hawaii. We've actually had it. We'd actually took bumps on MMA mats, so it was it was constant, and it just kept on like not just doing rolls, but doing like the easy back bumps, 
but it's muscle memory on doing the back bumps, back bump, back bump. And then I, I was, what, about seven years younger than I am now? No, eight years. There we go. Eight years. And freaking, you're like, ah, I've been through more than freaking the Marine Corps. Let me just do this. Crack, crack, yeah, let's go. Overhead bump, boom, let's go. <laughs> None of that hurt. Everything was fine, but just the muscle memory and the body conditioning, and pretty much the body conditioning, body hardening, as the Marine Corps would like to call it, is what helped me succeed through the pandemic. Uh, even though we all had a little bit of ring rust, um, psychology-wise, it was more the rust when I was going in more than doing any move or anything. Everything was secondhand, second nature, like muscle memory, except for the psychology, which is everyone needs to brush up on, everyone needs to keep advancing and understanding that psychology, not just to be in a competition one-on-one uh, -on -one in the ring, but to sell to the crowd, appeal to the crowd, or get the crowd just pissed off at you half the time, man. You have to do it well. If not, they're like, ah, this guy's boring, boo. You know? Yeah, it's interesting because you bring <clears throat> up, like, with, especially with the psychology side of things. Like, I've watched matches where, like, a guy went in as a heel and another dude went in as a face. But because the face couldn't get the people behind him, the heel was doing so much that the crowd actually turned and was actually cheering for the heel. And it just kind of washed out all of his heat that he got. Because when he walked out there initially, like, people were booing him. They were throwing stuff at him. Like, they were, like, hot. And this dude went out there, this other face, and <laughs> sucked all that heat away from him. <laughs> so it's wild, man, to see that. I'm curious, though, man, like, after a show, right, or anything, do you have, like, a post-match meal, like, a post-match ritual that you have to do? I don't have to do it. Um, but it's, it's typical because normally I'm either near a Wawa or a Sheets. So I used to be bad on dieting. Oh, I shouldn't say bad. I'm still bad at dieting, but after matches was kind of worse because I'll get a turkey, like a turkey club sandwich with the grilled cheese, tater tots, wash it down with freaking Yoohoo and a damn, um, and two, what is it? Two Propel uh, Gatorades, and that's that's because my my joy rides, I should say, uh, is either like beyond an hour, and usually I'm always driving an hour and a half to three hours, depending on the, where the event is, and that's usually my go-to. It's like, well, I need to keep driving because if I don't get home. By a certain time, I shouldn't say if I don't get home by a certain time, but I'd rather be home at a certain time than be home at one, two o'clock in the morning. And then you got all the drunk drivers freaking trying to fly. I think they're fast and furious down the highways. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a it's it's a true thing, and it's a very scary thing when you start to realize like everybody's like honking their horns, just like cruising through traffic. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. I definitely, I feel it on that. I definitely need to definitely for this, especially this year, definitely need to work on the dieting and really cut back on uh, the, how, how should I say the favorite and the favorite foods, the favorite snacks. <laughs> so definitely got to get away from the goodies. 
I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna keep my pre-match ritual right. I don't care what anybody says. I will sit in that locker room <laughs> with a handful of gummy bears and just continue <laughs> pounding gummy bears. They got over you, with the guys too. <laughs> as long as you don't throw up gummy bears in the middle of the ring, you'll be good. Yeah. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen some guys. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's their their conditioning or just um, they took a bump wrong and they just have that that gas to need to throw up or, and it just happens. I've seen it a few times. I was like, damn, thank God that wasn't me. <laughs> I yeah. heard. I heard recently at a show, uh, this is from my trainer, was telling me about uh, a match recently where two guys were wrestling. And it was like 40 minutes before this kid went out and wrestled. He just housed a whole bunch of McDonald's food and then went out there, was doing his normal shtick. And next thing you know, he just threw up. And uh, then they ran a spot like around it where they were trying to like force each other's faces into oh, this giant pool of vomit. I was like, this <laughs> worst <laughs> you see like pre-match pre-match rituals i always have and unfortunately i'm i'm a culprit of being in the military too long is having an energy <laughs> having an energy drink you know every military veteran or freaking active duty guy always has to have an energy drink and it's the females too it's not even just the guys it's the females too energy drink and then whatever we can get our hands on pre-match Sometimes I, I've have done the the gummy bears, but mainly like the fruit snacks, just so I don't have a a full stomach because I hate wrestling. I hate doing anything on a full stomach. Yeah, but a full energy drink, whether it's a Monster, Red Bull, G Fuel. <laughs> so even now, I'm still I'm still hooked on energy drinks. Um, certain ones I can't have anymore because they mess up my stomach, but. Still, always having an energy drink before a match and and rolling everything out pretty much. I usually always carry a, a foam roller or one of those thick rollers and rolling it out, stretching it out, and getting ready for the match. That's really just it. Yeah, I kind of uh, I have to agree with the, the energy thing, energy drink thing, man, because I know for me, like, it's either like a monster or uh, let's, let's be honest – I should be sponsored by Rip It because I, yo, those things, those things are crack in a can. Actually, and, and talking about Rip It, sorry, but talking about Rip It, I found, it was last year or two years ago, I found that only in New Jersey that certain places, certain gas stations, but mainly the Dollar Tree sells Rip It. <laughs> and I'm always going, I'm always going to freaking the Dollar Tree, getting like, Tank cans or rippets and being ready for any day or any show day or anything like that. Yep. It's I it's weird too because I remember like when I was stationed out in Balad, like just the little cans of rippets like everywhere. Like they're just like giving them to you left, right, and center. And I was like, I just got I got hooked on it. So now when I walk if I walk by my grocery my grocery <coughs> store, I look and I see that they have them. Like I walk in and they still have like six flavors. And when I was deployed, we only had two, which is like mm-hmm. peach. The red, and, like, the red and yellow one. Yeah. I only, ha- I only had the red and yellow one. And the funny part is the the ones I find at the Dollar Tree are about the monster size. Yeah. But the ones on deployment, I'm guessing they just used to be more concentrated because they're only short stacks. Yeah. 
And on deployment, those things are like, how you say, uh, currency out on, on deployments. You can bribe anyone to give you anything, whether it's um, a can of skull, Copenhagen, cigarette, uh, not even carton, uh, a freaking box of cigarettes, or even food out in them uh, towns or villages that you're at. The uh, the Muslims they know what rippets are and they're like, oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> we'll get we'll get quite a bit of food with with a couple cans of rippets. So yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, man. Like since being in wrestling, right? What's one of the hardest lessons that you've had to learn? <sighs> hardest lesson. The first hardest lesson was slowing down. Um, just for the simple fact that. You think you're slow, you're you're going slow on doing everything, but then they keep telling you, the senior guys or even the guys that you're in the ring with that are a little senior than you. It's like, slow down, slow down. Like you excel, but at the same time, you're ready for the next move. You're ready for the next move. Uh, you're all like excited, and that adrenaline rush is going. It's like, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. But at the same time, you need to slow down, sell, let the people understand and regurgitate or i should say um uh understand and apprehend what you just did or what they did to you so they can actually whether boo you or cheer for you or cheer for the guy that just beat on you because the people hate hate you for some reason (laughs) that was the the biggest lesson was was to slow down that was the first one um, now the second one is mainly networking. That's the biggest, at least for me, that is the biggest one because I'm on, I'm trying to do everything on my own now because most of my counterparts that I used to have road trips and everything, they've went their separate ways. They've gone either to other companies or just don't want to do the road trips anymore. So now I have to take the ball and run with it, whether it's on my own or if I can find some other guys that are near me that want to go with me. So networking is going to be the second biggest challenge that probably is going to be the biggest one until either until I call it quits or until I make it to one of the big name companies that I would love to be at. So. Okay. So what kind of advice would you give to like upcoming wrestlers? Part, hmm, depends on what do you mean by advice. What advice do you mean? Advice for in the ring, advice outside the ring, or advice on a professional level? Why don't we just, you know what? Why don't we just do all three? <laughs> for in the ring, it's always going to be slow down. Um, but understand, for me, I like to make it as a two-parter to really understand and break it down how military loves to say break it down barney style slowing it down but sell to the crowd um selling to the crowd helps you slow things down and it shows more on how to sell yourself properly sell your body not just your face but your body because some guys are under the mask and sometimes they can't how should i say People can't see your facial expressions under a mask. At the same time, people can't see your facial expressions if you're in a, a stadium 
whether it's in a baseball stadium or anything like that. Um, when it gets, when people can't see your face, your body has to do the justice on what happened, what's going on. You can't always, I say, beat a dead horse and just bump and feed like a, like a fish coming out of water. So people have to understand why you're selling, what you're selling for, and how they should react. That's the, the biggest key on understanding how to slow down and sell it properly, whether you're a heel or a face. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Like, sell the body parts. That's mm-hmm. what you got to do. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, <coughs> one of my other favorite questions I like to ask before we get into the 10 count questions is I need a do and don't of the locker room. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. Do always pay your respects and ask the question, ask the the right questions for the answers that you want. And it's going to all the guys that are below you that started training that are still greener than you to all the veterans that have been there for 10, 15, 20 plus years. Even though you think certain people will give you an answer that you want to hear, sometimes you need an answer that you kind of don't want to hear so you can understand how to do your job, how to be the better professional in the ring, in and outside the ring. Um, Case in point, not everyone is going to do the same character. or There's probably people that are doing the same character kind of gimmick as yourself or someone close to you. A lot of times it's hard to be original, especially nowadays where there's an abundance of wrestlers, but there's not an abundance of original thinkers and people really thinking out the, outside the box. So definitely pay your respects and ask the right questions to the answers that you need. Don't. Hmm. Don'ts is pretty much don't be, don't be that guy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. It goes from being in the military all the way outside in the civilian sector where you don't want to be that guy of the 10 percenters. In the military, we all know what the 10 percenters are. Those are the, excuse my language, the, the shit bags the morons you don't want to freaking be buddy buddy with or even have any association with don't be that guy to where you think your shit don't stink you think you're better than every wrestler that's in there and don't be the guy that doesn't show the respect for the company you're working for even though you're, you might be networking to get into a position within that company, don't be the guy that's, that burns his bridges while he's trying to network. And that's pretty much the basis, the, the biggest don't. Don't be, don't be that guy. <laughs> like that. You know, it's, like, it's funny too, man, because like we, I don't really get to – and we were talking about this at the show too – about like the 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 number of veterans that are in wrestling, right? And uh, for me, like the longest time, like I didn't realize like how many people were there that was in until 
well, one, I started doing this, doing this podcast. And then two, like just kind of sitting back and watching people. And uh, yeah, it's, it's mind blowing to think that like, you pretty much could sit in every locker room and at least one person in that locker room is probably a veteran. Yeah. Always. There's always going to be that. It's always going to be more than one. That's a veteran, even though you haven't, you haven't seen them or, or they haven't really spoken up yet. Right. This I, I'm always, I'm always flabbergasted. I was like, this is, <laughs> I was like, this is insane. Cause like, you know, even for me, right? Like I started training, right? And uh I was, I was the only like veteran in there. And then once, you know, COVID kind of lifted up and restrictions got lifted and we were able to start training again, this random dude came walking up and he's like, Yeah, I used to wrestle in college and now like I came, I was in the Air Force, and now I'm, you know, I want to be a wrestler. I was like, dude, how old are you? And he's like, well, I'm 37. I was like, dude, you're like the same age as me. <laughs> so so yeah. I was like, just the number of people that you find in the stories that you find, I was like, man, this is it's wild. Mm-hmm. But we got to get into the second best segment of this podcast. People ask, what's the first? It's the Red Dogs Power Rankings that you can find on our debate show every Sunday. But this is the three count podcast, 10 count questions. And Merck, this is how it works. I'm going to fire off 10 questions at you rapid fast. Whatever's your answer, that's your answer. <laughs> so we're going to start this off by putting on an imaginary timer. Dun, dun, dun. Bing. And here we go. Smackdown or Raw? Damn, Smackdown. Favorite movie? Oh, that is the worst. Um, damn. Princess Bride. Right. Night owl or early bird? Night owl. Favorite color? Damn. Can I call camouflage my color? Hey, that's that's your color. (laughs) (laughs) PlayStation or Xbox? Oh, damn. PlayStation. Favorite superhero? Wolverine. Harry Potter or Luke Skywalker? Luke Skywalker. Favorite podcast? Do I have to say yours? Um, <laughs> take second place to everybody's. <laughs> um, damn. Hold on. I forget their their name. Hold on. Let me let me grab that real quick. Uh, Cyberwire Daily. Okay. Uh, nominate one person that you want to see on this podcast. Ooh. You know what? He he wanted freaking. <laughs> he wanted to shout me out today. Stockade or Cade Lothbrock now now he's called. Okay. Definitely gonna definitely gonna have to reach out. And then <laughs> last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on this show. Favorite curse word. Damn. That's a good one. <laughs> nah, you know what? Should I even say it? Yeah. Cunt. Cunt. That's, okay. that's my favorite, unfortunately. The missus hates me freaking saying it. That is one of my favorites, and I have to blame the Australian Army for that one. After training those guys, they just lo- that's like the fuck word for them. Everything's just cunt, cunt this, cunt that. You bloody cunt. It's yes. It goes I, with everything. I can attest to that. Is a hundred percent facts. 
Bet. So those are all my questions that I have. So Merck, just let our viewers and our listeners know where they can find you. <clears throat> uh, everyone pretty much can find me at on Instagram, Twitter, and even Facebook under my name, either Merck, military expert, Romeo Castillo, or even uh, grunt style Merck, or I should say grunt style underscore Merck underscore Joe. Uh, you can find me anywhere. Like I said, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I'm building up my YouTube so you guys can see me on YouTube on all my matches. And eventually, I think 2022 is going to come up with a few streams or just out of the box or I would say out of the industry videos. Definitely, definitely watch me on those. Bet. Well, there you have it. And like we talk about, you know, whenever you have your match and you're building that story up, you got to take it home. So what does that mean? That means this is the Three Count Podcast Presents, now entering the ring. And I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. That's right. You could call me your Sherpa, but like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. And that's why it's never about me, but it's about who's entering the ring. So you see him right next to me. He is the military expert, Romeo Castillo, aka Merck. And you guys know what to do. Tune into the next episode and be there, or you just wait for this to end. You wait for that outro and you choose another episode, you Blue Falcons. <laughs> What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to Twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod. Give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give us a subscribe, turn the bell on, turn on notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast and in there you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. At ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So show us some support please.